This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Goldcamp. Talking a little bit of Florida Sanford and where the program is at now. After uh, the 10th game of the season, Florida moved to 500 with a 70-52 win over Sanford. And I think that score pretty much tells the story. We're going to be talking about what was a very, very interesting weekend in Gainesville. Uh, first things first, I, I got to say, going into this game against Sanford, I think a lot of people thought, uh, you know, this game could get pretty interesting. I think a lot of people thought maybe the fans would make a statement with attendance. It was a rainy kind of like wet, nasty day in Gainesville. And yet I thought the crowd really showed up. The fans supported the team. Really, I actually even took a picture at one point and tweeted when, you know, things were going pretty south for Florida and they went down by two touchdowns, 42 to 28. I took a crowd shot and, uh, and I kind of was expecting that, you know, 10 minutes from then the place would be empty. It wasn't man. Florida fans stayed there. The place was packed, but I think, you know, despite all that fan support, despite the, the fact that, uh, you know, Florida was able to come away with a win, it, it really, in a lot of ways, didn't do a whole lot to kind of quiet the noise about the program, quiet the noise around Dan Mullen's job. And the, the, the reason is pretty simple. The defense did not show up to play, at, at least for the first half of the game. That was about as uninspired a performance as I've seen from a Florida defense. You just, you had guys kind of run into the ball, but it didn't look, really look like sprinting. You had guys not finishing tackles. And this was against a Sanford team that was that came into the game at four and five uh, in the FCS. This was, was not a good team. They were a 36 point underdog to Florida. And, you know, we thought maybe Christian Robinson could spark some guys. Maybe they'd play for him. Uh, I'm not going to put any blame on Christian Robinson for that not happening because I think it's clear that there's deeper issues within the program. Um, but we need to talk about where things are at right now. And I think um, this was a game that, quite frankly, I, I'm a little surprised that Florida managed to win, right? I think anybody that watched that first half saw a team that didn't want to be there. They saw a defense, at least, that didn't want to be there. I don't think it's fair to say the entire team. Um, but you saw a lot of the same familiar issues. Special teams were a disaster. You give up a kick return for a touchdown. You uh, allow an onside kick to be recovered in the fourth quarter when it's still a, a relatively close game. Uh, not prepared for, apparently. The coaches told them in the huddle before they went out for the kick team, hey, be ready for the onside kick. You had penalties that were extremely costly. Really, the only thing that wasn't there from kind of this bucket list of, of breakdowns that Florida's had where it seems like it's checking off each one uh, you know, each week and then some weeks you get five or six of them. The only thing that wasn't there was, was turnovers on offense. And weirdly enough, it felt like in some ways the second half turnaround was almost like, you know, the defense had kind of given up and then Emory Jones is going out there and, and really keeping them in it, 
you know, uh, step for step, stride for stride uh, through the early parts of the game. And at a certain point, it looked like, uh, I don't know if it was young guys going in on defense. I'm not sure what it was, but the way it felt to me was like the defense was like, oh, well, I guess, you know, the offense is going to keep scoring. And finally, you had some younger guys get fired up. There were some nasty nasty shots in the second half of that game where, where, I mean, you heard the whole stadium just, ooh. And I think what happened is the defense realized the offense wasn't going to quit. Hey, what the hell? You know, Sanford's not that good. And uh, Florida did kind of what it's supposed to do in that second half. Problem was, it, cre- it didn't do anything to, like I said, quiet the, the noise in the program. I think we're going to get into, you know, uh, where Florida's at, maybe from an administrative standpoint, whether or not, you know, there's any way for Dan Mullen to recover this thing in the final two games. Um, but I thought you saw a team that um, maybe didn't even know what to believe, so to speak, right? Like, and, and I want to get into what I mean by that. I think something that, that's been interesting for me as a writer covering this team and this this program, really, is I do think that um, the margin for error is, is pretty small, right? And, and I go back to something that Dan Mullen said last week um, b- before even the South Carolina game. And he said, basically, it's never as good as it seems and it's never as bad as it seems. I, I think there's a lot of truth in that. I don't think Florida is as far away as it seems. And um, we'll talk about something Tim Tebow said on College Game Day to that effect a little later in the show. Um, but I get the sense that Florida's players are kind of caught in between two places, right? You have Dan Mullen has preached the Gator standard, has preached accountability, has preached it doesn't matter who we go out there and face. You know, we need, we, we should play for the names on the back of our jerseys, the, the Gator logo, all that. I, I want to talk about one thing that has rubbed the fans really, really wrong from the aftermath of that Sanford game. And there's a video that comes from the Florida locker room where players are celebrating and dancing. And a lot of fans, and I don't know how many, I don't know if it's only the the vocal minority on Twitter, I don't know if it's everybody, a lot of fans were upset that Florida's players were celebrating a win like that. First off, my human reaction is, okay, that's that's a little unfair. You know, these guys have been getting crucified for weeks now. Publicly, they, they, I mean, they're like, let's be honest, these guys' lives are hell when things are not going well in the field. And that's part of the deal at Florida. That's you sign up for that, you get, you know, equal blessings when things are going well, trust me. Um, but I think the guys needed to celebrate. And then I think if you're Dan Mullen and you're looking at trying to turn it around, Dan Mullen had said going into this game and really the last couple of weeks, several times, that they just keep having negative things happen and they need something positive to happen. So, I'm okay with them. Like them celebrating to me is, is not an issue. I think the the anger over that celebration is more a, a product of the bigger picture, and I think this goes back to players maybe not knowing what to believe. Right? There's elements of truth to both the positive, you know, that Florida has at times been on the cusp of beating some of these truly elite teams, six points away from Alabama in the SEC title game, which is where you're supposed to get two points away from Alabama earlier this year. But there's also, you know, shreds of truth in some of the, the, the other extreme end of the negatives of Florida nearly lost to Sanford. Florida could have lost to Sanford. Florida, you know, has a, a defense that gave up a record amount of points and a half that gave up a record amount of points for an SEC team against an FCS team. There's all these morsels out there, right? And I think with social media these days, 
it's almost a bigger societal question that we're, we're all kind of struggling with together, right? It's it, these, these social media mechanisms kind of provide feedback loops where once you've kind of made up your mind on something, you can very easily find actual truthful bits, you know, facts, support of that narrative. You can have uh, probably writers like myself, like, like, you know, writers that try to piece these things together that make pretty compelling coherent arguments. And um, I, I think it's very easy to get stuck kind of in that feedback loop. And so I think when players are kind of exposed to everything that's going on outside, the outside noise, and yet they've seen at the same time, some of the product of what they have done when they've bought in and they've worked hard, meaning Florida, in my opinion, and this, and this culture word gets thrown around a lot. I don't think Florida really has. And again, I, what does culture mean? I, I don't think that if you had asked me after last year, if Florida had a culture problem under Dan Mullen, I would have said absolutely not. And, and maybe my answer is a little bit different now, but I think it's important to nail down kind of the nuance of what it is. To me, culture is whether or not your guys believe in what you're doing and whether or not they will play their hardest, go to bat for you no matter what. That to me is, is when I say culture, that's what I'm referring to. Now, the organizational aspect all that, I, I want to put that aside. Culture for me is, is, are your guys playing hard? And I think to this point, you can still probably even make the case that Florida's culture is not that bad. Now, hear me out. I think when players understand that and have, have the, had the belief, I don't, you can question whether it's still there, but they had the belief in Dan Mullen that he could get them to an SEC title game. He could get them competitive. And all they needed to do was keep buying into what he was selling. What Dan Mullen's selling right now is that this team needed positivity. And I think that's what you see in the reaction. You know, the players, they, they, they hear all the frustration outside. I think in a lot of ways, what we've heard from defensive players since last week's firing of Todd Grantham has been sort of a weight off their shoulders. I think that's relatively obvious at this point. However, that didn't translate to the field on Saturday. And that, I think, is a problem. Um, but I think... Uh, Generally speaking, things aren't as good as they seem. They're not as bad as they seem. The problem is the midpoint has to be up to par. And I, I mentioned that on last week's podcast after the South Carolina loss. The problem is right now you don't know how low the low end can get with this current team, with the, the fan base sentiment based on how this year's results play out. And that's the problem, right? That's that's where you know the comments from Tim Tebow on game day about you know, the margin between Florida and these championship teams is not all that big. That is sort of true on the top end of that range, right? But the midpoint is probably the more accurate reflection of the results you're going to get year over year, right? And if you're trying to build a consistent program, the entire thought process behind that is you continually elevate that bottom level. And you, if you go back through numerous Dan Mullen press conferences, you can hear him talk about this exact same thing. You know, they need to continually up the standard, that kind of thing. I, I worry a little bit that this locker room discussion that's taken place, the, the celebration video that's taken place on social media has some signs of this beginning to turn into an us versus them thing. And I think that's directly reflective of the fact that there's elements that you can strongly point to in support of Dan Mullen, and there's elements that you can strongly point to where he's probably not the guy, right? And I've been clear about where I stand on that after the South Carolina game. I think that was kind of the point of no return where you lost enough of the fan base that 
they're now in that camp where their mind's kind of made up and what they're going to see in any game, what they're going to see in any article written, any tweet is their mind is going to emphasize the, the part of it that reinforces their belief that Dan Mullen is no longer the guy. And if that's happening for fans, I guarantee you players that are 18 to 22 years old, they're, they're on social media. They're, they're going to be reading at least some of these articles. And it's probably not everybody. I'm sure there's guys that tune it out. But it's, it's reality, man. It's, it's, we all know this. It's very hard to separate yourself from you know, your, your Facebook, your Twitter, whatever your medium of choice is. Reddit is another good example of you know, kind of that feedback loop where the algorithms themselves start to feed you kind of what you're looking for. And, and partly you seek out kind of those you know, things that back you up. And I think when players kind of get caught in the middle... That's where you see a team that starts to lose its rudder. And I think Flor- I think for Florida, that has happened. Um, I, I want to talk about some signs, maybe, that Florida has kind of taken on the persona of its head coach. Let's take a quick commercial break, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit further with my thoughts on maybe how we got here, um, whether or not it's recoverable, and, and then again, whether or not maybe the administration's mind has shifted or changed based on the way this 70 to 52 result against Sanford unfolded. So we'll take a quick commercial break and I'll be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Goldcamp. We're talking about where Florida's program is at right now, and I think I think there's a real internal battle going on for a lot of players of kind of being unsure of, you know, the direction of the program based on everything that's being written out there, everything that's being talked about in the fan base, what they're hearing from guys on campus. When things start going bad, you tend to look around for reasons why, right? And I think... It's clear at Florida that this thing is accelerating quickly. I think that's something that's gonna that's not going away, I don't think. I think that's a societal trend based on kind of how we consume our news, how how we interact with each other on social media. Um we've kind of, you know, taken away some of the the um the, the I guess the old methods of communication had a little bit more lag time in between you know, kind of snowballing. And I, and I liken it to this. When I started as a reporter, um, you know, back around 2009, 2010, uh, Twitter was just coming along, wasn't really a thing. And you saw that newspaper reporters who got a scoop or, you know, recruiting reporters who got a scoop, a lot of times they put that behind a paywall on a message board. And that news would be relative secret for 
five, six, eight hours before you know another another site had the story up on their site. That time has completely gone away, right? So this all goes back to I think things snowball a little bit quicker now than they used to. And I think if you're an athletics director looking at these things, you need to be aware of that as a reality, and you need to have a pulse on how how far this has progressed already. And I think that's why it's important to really take a step back and look at how we got here. And I, I talked about right before we took a commercial break, I think players tend to take on the persona of their head coach. And I think in a lot of ways, that's why Florida was so successful up until the end of year three under Dan Mullen. Florida could punch up. Dan Mullen has been able to punch up as a coach. That's why he was so successful at Mississippi State. That's why, you know, at Florida, he was able to take a four-win team, turn it into a 10-win team, a New Year's Six team, and really start to progress. I think Dan Mullen has a lot of qualities as a coach that are excellent. And I, I would say, you know, if you're looking at coaches, I go back to that five-tool argument I made. There's so many things about a coach that you need to be good at. Dan Mullen is so good at his uh, probably one to two areas, maybe three, of, of being a coach that... He can use that when, when he's got the right mix of, of other circumstances, be it personnel, quarterback, that he can exceed expectations. And I think in a lot of ways, Florida did that for his first three years. But there were signs going back to last year that, you know, you were kind of hoping that you could just continue punching up. And, and let, me, let me break down one of the first huge red flags for me. Last year's LSU game, the the announcers of the game brought up that in a Friday pre-production meeting with Dan Mullen, I, I don't know how exactly the conversation came about. They didn't really get into that. But the broadcast, the broadcast crew definitely made it seem like Dan Mullen kind of brought it up unprompted that even if they lost that LSU game and picked up their second loss of the season, they'd be in the playoff if they managed to beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. Almost, you know, hey, this is kind of, you know, this is the minimum what we need to do to get to where we want to be. And if that sounds familiar with the way Florida's program has been going, it should. I think that Dan Mullen has been so successful for so long as a head coach that in a lot of ways, he believes his way is good enough to crack through at the highest level. That has clearly been proven wrong. I think Florida is not recruiting at that level, and you're seeing a lot of that play out this year, but you're seeing more than just recruiting. And if there's ever an example of that, look at the difference between the first half yesterday and the second half. That Sanford team, what we saw in the second half, is what should have happened throughout the entire game. Florida has enough talent still that it can turn it on like that. The problem is it's not good enough to consistently get through an SEC schedule to consistently be able to beat Georgia's, Alabama's, and get to that top level. But... The bottom line is Dan Mullen's comments when he says that against LSU basically, in my opinion, started to provide that message to his team that that bare minimum is kind of okay. That you know the the gate it, it was the here's the thing. Dan Mullen has preached about the Gator standard since he arrived at Florida. And the Gator standard, as he puts it, is giving a hundred percent effort in everything that you do. I don't think there's a Florida fan on the planet that can convince you that Florida gave maximum effort in that LSU game. Certainly not yesterday against Sanford. But for Dan Mullen to have that LSU result and have made those comments, and then after the team goes out and gets very competitive against Alabama, again, like 
how, how does that happen, you know, a week after that LSU debacle? Well, because the margin for error both ways isn't that great, right? It's Florida's not that far away from being a championship team if everything's going right, if the players are fully motivated. On the flip side, Dan Mullen said the season was over after Alabama, and Florida comes out and absolutely reflected that attitude against Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. All of that, in my opinion, has carried over to now, where all the things that you needed to get better that were there, recruiting um, issues on defense that weren't addressed after last year in the form of changing defensive coordinators, that was an option that Dan Mullen had. He didn't take it. He took the Again, the route where you, you almost take the, the bare minimum necessary of, of firing two assistant coaches. And whether it's staff loyalty, whether Dan Mullen fully believed in Todd Grantham and, and it just didn't work out. Bottom line is that's how it came across, was Florida didn't really address the root issue. But I think players still kind of had that belief in Dan Mullen that, hey, we were in the SEC championship game last year. And when things started to go off the rails is when that, clearly became off the table after that Kentucky game. And clearly we have seen a completely different Florida since. And I don't know in hindsight that that should be surprising given how that, that LSU comment last year went over, given how Florida showed up in the Cotton Bowl. It, you, you saw a team the last month or so that hasn't been able to kind of figure out what they believe. And, or, you know, at least on the flip side, in my opinion, realized that this year was a bust and kind of just was ready to move on to the next. That's an, an attitude that Dan Mullen reflected after that Alabama loss. So I don't know that you can blame players. When you have championship aspirations and they go poof just like that, things can snowball quickly. And we've seen that at Florida. Uh, again, that goes back to the margin for error. You're, you're never that far away um, from this thing going downhill like this. And I think especially in today's day and age with the just the – the velocity with which that picks up. Um, it's tough, man. And so, like, there's elements to Tim Tebow's statement on college game day that are true. But you got to try to not pick the extremes and come to the middle. And I think the middle is Dan Mullen has enough in his coaching arsenal that he could be a very good coach. I think at this point in time, that's not going to be at Florida. And I wouldn't rule out Dan Mullen, you know, going somewhere else that's a better fit in terms of expectations. And having success there again, maybe even having some degree of introspection to where the things that um, he hasn't done very well at Florida, he either puts more effort into going forward or he decides again, hey, that's not really my forte. I'm comfortable within my forte of being an offensive play caller, being able to work with a, a you know, a less skilled roster and more often than not, um, you know, kind of do what I did at Mississippi State, which is, you know, exceed the expectations, but you know, I, you know, I'm not maybe going to meet the championship ex expectations at a place like Florida where it's an absolute pressure cooker, a grind. Um, so the bottom line for me is this is continuing to trend in the wrong direction. And I said after the South Carolina game, I already thought that was kind of the, the point where it was too far gone. I, I think Florida's administration probably was not quite on that level, but I think even the tone that we're hearing from people uh, within the administration that 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 maybe I've spoken to, um, people around the program that are closer to the team, uh, people that frankly have the ear of the athletic director and can just call him up and say, "Hey, Scott, like, what was that on Saturday?" And they can get a feel for 
where Scott Strickland is, the tone has changed significantly. And I think if you're a Florida fan um, who is hopeful that this moves in a different direction, I think that is probably what you need to be looking at right now. I do think the tone has shifted considerably. I don't think Dan Mullen's seat uh, is safe anymore for 2022. And I think, why do I believe that to be the case? Simply put, I think the team that showed up yesterday was not motivated to be there. I cannot possibly see a team that could have shown up that unmotivated against a team that it should have been able to throw around physically. I can't see that team showing up a week later on the road at Missouri and managing to pull out a result. I I don't know. Florida State may be a little bit different at home. I think you get a lot more to play for. You get a lot more family, friends in your ear where a lot can happen in that game. But I I don't think that Florida's going to win out this year. And at that point, the conversation really starts to turn. Uh, The the tone that has shifted, I want to point you a couple spots there. Um. The, the first national guy that I really saw start to publicly address Dan Mullen's status, and, and by national guy, I mean national media, who have a huge following, are very plugged in, know, uh, I'll just be honest with you, national media guys have the ability to pick up the phone and get on the phone with Scott Strickland a lot easier than a beat guy like myself does. Uh, I see Scott around every now and then, we talk, but I, I would be lying to you if I tried to tell you that I'm a guy who can pick up the phone and call Scott Strickland. That's not my role. National guys, I mean, sorry, that's not, I don't mean to say that's not my role. Uh, that's certainly something that I will continue pushing for as a beat reporter. But there's guys that can do that. And Andy Staples at uh, The Athletic is a guy that played football at Florida, lives in the Gainesville area, um, very much has contacts within the UF program, um, a couple there. Uh, he's a guy that I think you can lean on when it comes to the pulse of the UF program. And after the LSU debacle this year, back in mid-October, Andy Staples made it pretty clear that he had taken the pulse of the program, kind of talked to, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say he talked to Scott Strickland directly. I don't know that. That would be my assumption. But he, in my opinion, had enough of the pulse to know that Dan Mullen's seat after that LSU game was pretty safe. At that point, Florida, I believe, was three and three, or sorry, three and three. Yeah, and going into the Georgia game, uh, I think they were four and three. Um, so Florida clearly, Florida's administration clearly didn't seem to be at that place, and that jives with everything that I'd heard from you know people that I talked to around the program. Uh, people on the Swamp twenty four seven message boards can tell you I was relaying. I don't think the administration was there. I said it on numerous podcasts. I think the fans are a little ahead of the the administration at this point. I think that tone has begun to shift. If you look at articles that have come out since, um, national media guys are beginning to say that they believe Dan Mullen's tenure is over at Florida, that it is inevitable. And when you start to see words like inevitable from national media guys, what that's telling you is that they are comfortable enough in the reporting and the sourcing that they've done behind the scenes with high-level people like athletics directors, like agents in the business, uh, other coaches who have been around this game for a long time who have seen how these kind of things go. Um, people talk. Like The national guys are, are national guys for a reason because they've been very good at their profession. They've moved up to the ranks, and they have those connections, right? That's the reality of what they're, like, what they're saying 
is a reflection of what they're getting from administrators. And what you're not hearing in any of the pieces coming out after this Sanford game is you're not hearing, whoa, Florida's administration's not ready to do that yet. You're not hearing anything definitive in that sense. And instead, you're hearing things like, this is just a matter of time. Like, the, the Florida job opening is, is expected to be on the market now. Uh, if you talk to coaches in the college football football world. So again, I, I, I think personally, I go back and forth between, um, I don't go back and forth. I, I, I struggle with my role, I think in the media. And, and I think this is also probably just personal life beyond, uh, covering the Florida Gators. It's hard, man. Like it's hard to figure out whether or not you're, you're being sucked into the feedback loop. Um, whatever the topic is, is I think human nature is very prone to that right now. And I think in the interest of fairness, I think me laying out, um, you know, defenses of the players being able to celebrate in the locker room, I like, that's not the issue. The issue is not that players shouldn't be allowed to celebrate. It's that the context of that celebration comes across as if Florida is where it's supposed to be a, sloppy win over Sanford like that is not something that's celebrated. And at the end of the day, that is directly reflective of the Gator standard has slipped because however you want to slice it, Florida should not be a team that does not show up for a bowl game. Florida should not be a team that even if they lose a second game early in a season completely implodes. And that's not a Dan Mullen only issue. This, this is something that has happened for two head coaches now, or the, the previous two head coaches, so now three head coaches. Um, but it is the reality. And, and how Florida grapples with that going forward, what the right answer is, I don't know. I think prior to um, really the last month of the season, I think the thinking from Florida's athletic director, from the administration was that kind of allowing things to snowball and and just derail completely is not healthy for a program right that's not helpful for the brand of the program it's not helpful for the players you're that's really unfair to the players and i think the sentiment was we've got to get out of that loop and we've got to find a way that we can kind of maybe give a coach a little more time kind of look at the big picture unfortunately i think this is a complex system man and complex systems it's impossible to put your finger on one issue um, and things have unintended results, unintended consequences. I think the way that some of last year played out towards the end in terms of what Dan Mullen said publicly, the messages that got conveyed to his players, the way they got reported after the fact, that all contributed to where we're at now in terms of I think the players are legitimately torn and when you have players that don't know which direction they're supposed to pull this is how it looks do players point the finger at a Todd Grantham do they you know do they make it clear in the locker room to Dan Mullen that Todd Grantham's not getting the job done you saw some of that after LSU Mahmoud Diabate made it unclear in no uncertain terms without actually saying we need a coaching change he said hey the players are lining up we're going out there we're executing the call when the general says shoot I shoot. In other words, I'm only as good as the coaches that are coaching me. And I thought, I thought that was a very fair, honest um, assessment. 
from Diabate. I thought it was one of the most truthful things we've heard from Florida players this year. And I thought it was indicative of the fact that there were probably players in that locker room last year that felt Florida could have won a title if the defense would have been a little bit better. And if you're looking for things to fix, that was an easy thing to fix. And it wasn't. And now we're here. And so I think players are legitimately torn between how do we fix this, you know, long term. And I think they're reading a lot of the things that are written about recruiting and Dan Mullen's lack of focus on recruiting. And they're saying, hey, if this is the Gator standard and we have to show up at 5 a.m. for conditioning and workouts and runs, you know, 365 days a year, where is that being reflected in the coaching staff? And I think there's a lot of truth to what's been written about Dan Mullen's lack of adherence to the Gator standard in certain areas. And I think players have picked up on that. And I think you're seeing a team. And I think, unfortunately, now a program that is a reflection of that. I I go back to what David Wunderlich said after the Kentucky game. He said, the margin for error is small in the SEC. It always is. But Dan Mullen has done so few things to increase that margin for error that he's left himself kind of prone to a situation where 15 penalties can cost you a game at Kentucky. In my opinion, he's left you prone to a situation where when the defense goes bad against LSU and you can't stop the counter, players start to say, hey, we had a chance to improve that. We didn't. That's not on us. People are going to point the finger at us. The Abate after that LSU game was fed up with the players getting blamed for it when the coach had a chance to make a proactive change and didn't. And I think... I think after that change was made, the, the tone from the players certainly shifted. That was clear talking to both Mordecai McDaniel yesterday after the game. It was clear talking to the Abate after the game. Clearly, the Todd Grantham firing lifted a weight off the players' shoulders. I don't know that it produced the results on the field that Florida had hoped for, and that me, leads me to believe again that these, these issues are deeper um, than just Todd Grantham. And I'll point you to comments that Mahmoud made after yesterday's game against Stanford. It was almost the polar opposite of what he said after that LSU game. He said, the players have to make the plays. Ultimately, we've got to go out there and we've got to make the plays. And he, he praised, went to bat, defended Christian Robinson. And I have no issues with that. I don't think Christian Robinson is ready for the defensive coordinator role at Florida, but that's not Diabate's job to decide. I thought he went to bat for his coach. He's trying to be a team player. Um, but I think, again, that, that's reflective of players that are being pulled in different directions and are probably, I think the players are identifying elements of truth about the program and what's reported out there. And there's stuff that they disagree with too as well. But there's enough elements of truth that, you're seeing kind of a team with a fractured identity, a, a disjointed approach to where even simply showing up now is becoming an issue because Florida did not show up to play against Sanford. The offense did. The defense and the special teams didn't. The, the discipline wasn't there. When you have guys jumping off sides, that's guys that are trying to go out there and make individual plays. And that that's not going to work at Florida. I'll end the podcast here because I, I, I just looked down and I'm going very long. I just think Florida is in a situation where it's it's extremely difficult at this point to get the players back. I think that should be relatively obvious to everyone after yesterday's game. And I don't I really, you know, I know Scott Strickland takes a lot of heat. He's not a dumb guy, guys. He is he's an extremely intelligent person. 
um, the, the infrastructure work he's done to improve Florida, the financing. He has really done a lot that has improved Florida's program. He's not trying to blow all that to, to, to save Dan Mullen. Okay. I, I really, truly don't believe that. I think that Florida's staff, Florida's administration went into this start of this slide, kind of just chalking it up to a bad year, hoping that they could get to the next year and continue to give Dan Mullen a little bit more time to work out some of the issues so that Florida wouldn't be stuck in this same loop of firing coaches every three to four years. I don't even think that was the wrong approach. I just think so much has happened since then that it, it should be pretty clear at this point that this is not going to work with Dan Mullen. I think the national narrative out there is beginning to reflect that. And whatever you think of the media, I believe me, I have my own thoughts about my job. I'm not very thrilled all the time with the way I handle how I report things, but we're humans too. And everybody has their implicit biases. And the important thing to do, I think, is like to, to not lock yourself into a position, right? Such that you continue arguing yourself into that position and you create your own feedback loop. I don't think Scott Strickland will do that. I don't think that he's, I just think there's, there's so many outside pressures now, boosters wise, pushing for Mullen. Strickland's not going to get caught in that loop, I don't think. And I think it should be, I think yesterday's game, if, if Saturday's against South Carolina wasn't enough, which again, it was for me, who knows where that line is for each individual, but that was to me the final straw. And if it wasn't for you, then I think Saturday's results, unless you're completely stuck in your own loop, was that's not good enough. This is not going to work. There's too many signs. There's too many problems. Which again, once once you start having a program that has too many problems, and even your head coach is saying, "I don't really know what went wrong this season. I can't identify it." Then it's time to move on. Like that's simple. It's time to move on. And I don't think the discussion should be about well, who's Florida going to hire that's better. That's that is, I think, a bigger picture discussion to have. I, I think it's a lot harder to hire away top coaches at a place like Florida now than it was ten years ago. Um, I think I think social media in a lot of ways has, has allowed coaches to realize, Hey man, the grass ain't always greener. And if you're in a good spot, you got a good administration. Sometimes it's best not to make that jump. Now the most ambitious people still will. And those are the guys you want to target. Those are the guys you should be trying to go get as a head coach. Um, but I just think we're, we are in a different world and it's, it's worth speaking to, you know, maybe why Florida's administration had hoped to kind of extend this thing. But I also think it's fair to point out the reality that, I do think this thing has shifted enough. I think when you're hearing from national guys using words like inevitable, it is. It, it becomes, in some ways, its own self-fulfilling loop. And I think Florida's past that point. I think there's a lot of things that Dan Mullen deserves credit for. And I think one of them, I want to mention here before I close out, his players are really team players. We really have not seen many guys... There's there's one or two out there on social media that that will complain, but we have not seen many guys publicly go against the team mantra, publicly uh, voice their frustration. I think they are bought into the team aspect as a program. The danger is when it becomes an us versus them, and you you know the players get themselves into the loop where the fans just don't get it. That's not productive for anybody. That's not healthy for anybody. But I think sorry, the point I wanted to make was Anthony Richardson. You know, and it'll frustrate a lot of people that he didn't play more yesterday. Anthony Richardson was as supportive of Emory Jones as I've maybe ever seen a teammate who is probably wanting his own shot for whatever reason, hasn't gotten it. Dan Mullen, uh, Dan Mullen, I think, gets a lot of things right in terms of the human element. 
you know, and, and we we rip on him here for a lot of different approaches to uh, the program and how he approaches his job and, and building Florida into a program contender. But I think for, for all of that, Dan Mullen has a lot of elements that re- really make me like him as a person. I think there's a, I think you can point to that in the players and you don't need to look further than Anthony Richardson's support of the team publicly. Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson is probably also just an awesome guy, a great guy. Um, but I think it does say something about Dan Mullen that his players have tried to do their best to not throw anybody under the bus to, to really buy into that team concept. I just think, again, I think they don't really know what to believe. And, and the problem is right now, there's too many problems at Florida. And I think, I honestly think Florida's administration will realize that. I think when you talk about inevitable, I think part of the reason people are calling it inevitable is what I talked about earlier. I, I, this Florida team is not going to win out. I don't think I'm crazy for saying that. I do not see Florida showing up and winning in Missouri next week. And if they do, maybe the conversation shifts back. Maybe, you know, maybe that changes where I think Scott Strickland's mind is now based on what's being reported about where this thing's headed at Florida from plugged in national guys. Um, But the bottom line is right now, I think if you're a Florida fan, I think just be patient. There's no upside to firing a coach with two games left when you've already fired two assistants and you're relying on a grad transfer to coach your O-line. Uh, you know, you're, you're relying on guys that have been promoted to unfamiliar roles. There's no, there's no benefit. Nobody gets anything out of, uh, firing Dan Mullen right now. And you can, you can make the case, I guess, that, uh, you get a head start on a coaching search. Scott Strickland's plugged in, man. He's, he's been in this game for a long time. He knows agents. He knows how to back channel. None of that's an issue. Let it, let it play out. I, I truly believe that this thing is headed in such a direction that it's, it's going to be impossible for Dan Mullen to return in 2022. Um, that's my take guys. Uh, I hope, I hope I wasn't too in the weeds there with social media and all that. It's, it's something that's been weighing on my mind in terms of how to deal with it, how to be fair as a reporter. Um, because guys, it's not, it's not easy to write difficult things about someone else's job, about families that now have to, to move around. And I think, uh, it's, 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 it's different. And I, I appreciate that Florida has gone back to in-person because it allow in-person media it allows you to remember that. And I think that is important. And look, we all, we all are trying to grasp, you know, what the right way to interact with social media is the right way to be a fan. I think a lot of people are struggling with that. You know, is it supporting the coaches? Are we, you know, like there's a lot of discussion about the fans. And I think that's all part of the bigger issue that we're dealing with of trying to figure out in 2021 with the, the, the construct that we have of how things evolve quickly how they spiral, what the right balance is. We're all juggling that. Um, and I think Dan Mullen is as well. But that, that'll do it for today, guys. Um, I've gone very, very long, so I apologize for that. Uh, we will be back hopefully on Tuesday with Brett and Blake on Swamp 24-7 Podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for tuning in. CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. 
How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.